This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analogue TV podcast that's got bacon, it's got mustard, and it's got life. Bacon and mustard. Bacon, bacon, bacon and mustard. You've been um, you've been analysing all of the trends. Well, I've been thinking about, you know, how new ideas come about quite a lot lately, you know. I'm, I'm like... 15 years in on 200% and it's and I'm just why am I doing this <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so I've taken to just kind of throwing ideas around and I've made a policy decision that quantity over quality of ideas that I would have <laughs> and that I would use yeah. you as my sounding board for this well the, the problem is I, I don't know whether or not it's Stockholm Syndrome but Last week in the subscriber podcast, you described a jazz snooker fusion, seven hour long, yeah, witching hour television program, and that actually sounded like quite a good idea to me. This and now bacon and mustard has come along. I, and yet I, again. I just messaged you. I've I've had a new idea for a flavour combination. It's bacon and mustard. And, I, and I, you know, I haven't really thought about it much more than that, I have to say. Well, I mean, yeah, I see. I mean, I asked you whether or not that you, you know, been in touch with uh, the, the people in charge of... Well, crisps you assumed or... crisps only. Well, or primarily. Yeah. And I, I, you know, my immediate thought was, it's a lot of fat together, but, you know... Everyone's a nihilist these days. That's true. I mean, what have, what have any of us got to yeah, live what, for? What, what, really? what actually have we got? And to the live answer for? is bacon. Uh, uh, and there you go. You see. I mean, that's just you know, just my opinion. Before we 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 dig into the actual television program that we're going to watch, which really got nothing to do with bacon and or mustard, uh, can we just deal with the song? Bacon and mustard, <laughs> bacon, bacon and mustard, eat some now, you stupid bastard, brackets, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's your advertising. Joke. Oh, there's at least another two verses to that. <laughs> to that. that was the one bit that I did spend rather too much time on. All, all I can say really is that, um, is that thanks to an online dictionary, I now know every word in the English language that rhymes with mustard. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, bustard, obviously. Custard. Custard, yeah. Custard, custard used in the next verse. I, I, don't want to, I, don't, I don't want to shine light on magic, but, you know. No. Well, actually, that's a very good segue because this is exactly what the programme that you chose does shines lights into the nooks and crannies that we don't normally get to see. Yeah. This is Sports Night brackets with Coleman. Brackets mustard. Uh, <laughs> brackets Coleman's mustard. From the 22nd I'm obsessed. From the 22nd of May 1969. Now Sports Night 
was a program that ran for 29 years. It was the flagship BBC midweek sports magazine program. Mm. But generally speaking, September to April was its season. So May 1969 is off-season for Sports Night. But this is a very special episode. Yeah, this is right at the... It's like their end-of-term party, isn't it? Well, as an end-of-term party, they almost decided to choose somebody else who gets to photocopy their arse on the office printer. Because this is the final of the BBC's Find a Commentator contest. The big prize here being that the winning commentator will go to Mexico next year to commentate on World Cup matches. There were 10,000 applicants, uh, now narrowed down to six, by a process we know not what. Uh, we do, actually. Oh, yeah. What's that then? Wrestling? Um, they did. Wrestling. Yeah, they did hold regional heats. Yes, they, yes, and, they did. Yeah. Uh, they were given. Oh, Christ, I can't remember how they narrowed it down. I, I read an article on it. Of course. That's <laughs> exactly the sort of thing that I do. Um, here we are. There were 500 voice auditions, which took place in Belfast, Bristol, Cardiff, Glasgow, Leeds, Newcastle, Birmingham, Manchester and London. That got it down from 500 to 30. And the 30 were invited to commentate on a television recording of a match between Northern Ireland and England from the previous weekend. Yes. Among them was Michael Carey of The Guardian, who wrote, The studio was in a basement which looked as though it might have once been used to store bootleg liquor. The 12 was then whittled down to 6. Yep. And there they did the England matches, and then that final 6. Was the, Yo, the, the six fi- Yeah, the, the final 6 were sent out in a actually quite familiar COVID sort of fashion, put in their individual segmented booths at Wembley Stadium where they commentated on the England versus Wales match from the Home International Championships yes. of 1969. And then poacher turned gamekeeper Sir Alf Ramsey leads the judging panel. Having provided the fodder for them to talk about, he will now judge their efforts harshly. Alongside Dennis Howell, MP, the Minister for Sport, Peter Black, a uh, Daily Mail television critic, Tony Book, the reigning footballer of the year, and Brian Cowgill, who was the head of BBC Sport. I have to say, right, yeah, that by the standards of the time, that is a very, very high quality panel. You've got the England manager, a government minister, BBC head of sport, the footballer of the year, and... And award-winning critic. So yeah, senior senior television critic is it's an impressive lineup. We've seen a number of these sort of um, shows where there's been a judging panel, and this is easily the best judging panel we've had so far. Oh god, yeah, easily. Yeah, I mean, it's not even got David Hamilton on. Yeah, it. I mean, the thing with uh, judging panels or Lulu. Yeah, the, the the thing with judging panels is that usually there's at least one person on it who you can look at immediately and go, who are you to say that that person is shit? 
Yep. Uh, and actually, on, on this occasion, I mean, it's a it's it's a it's a high quality list. The interesting unspoken dynamic of this whole programme, I thought, was, of course, there but for the grace of God sits David Coleman in the presenter's seat. Mm. Now, obviously, David Coleman was one of the leading TV football commentators at the time Mm. in the UK. At no point is it even hinted at, well, how did you get this job? (laughs) Because I'll tell you this. It wasn't being judged by the reigning England manager live on television. No, but he's a he's a strange bird, David Coleman. I wrote uh, a piece about him. Well, he's one of two multiple appearance klaxonese yeah. in this episode. The other one will come to light a little bit later. Well, of course, yeah. strange bird because he preferred athletics yes athletics was what he wanted to do and football was almost like you know well it's the winter and people yeah. don't watch athletics on tv apart from the olympics yeah. so i'm afraid do the football do the football and shut your face yeah and, and so i don't necessarily think he was particularly a fan he was not universally popular as a person keep your camera still now bloody chattering all the way through it Get your bloody finger out! And he was not a uni- and he was not universally popular as a commentator either. But there was this period in the early 1970s when the BBC were really looking to overhaul their football coverage. You've got to bear in mind that this pace of change was rapidly increasing. ITV had launched the big match in 1968, and that instantly made Match of the Day look old-fashioned and out of date. ITV the following year snatched the highest TV ratings for the World Cup for the only time. There was also a record television audience for the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leeds in 1970. So this is the environment that they're working in. The BBC had to update. So Match of the Day got its new theme tune in 1971. But throughout the late 60s and early 70s, it was clear that they were also updating their commentary team. The older yes. commentators were being pensioned off, which is very odd in its own way. Do you know, I mean, we've talked about Kenneth Wollstenholme before on this, haven't we? Very possibly. Well, Kenneth Wollstenholme, he left the BBC 
1971. He had been their chief commentator since 1952, I think. So 19 years. Do you know how old Kenneth Wollstoneholm was when he left the BBC? Well, I would vouch that he couldn't have been much older than 50. He was 51. Given that he... Yeah, that he, he lived on until, I think, 2002. Yeah. yeah, he was 51 years old. And he already sounded so dated. And he did carry on working. He carried on um, in football commentary with Tyne T's television until the end of the decade, by which point he sounded like a relic from the past. Well... But yeah. in, in 1971, this... the the BBC were trying to update all their sports coverage to sort of get it away from that, you know, the black and white era. And David Coleman was one of the ones that they were pushing to be a star. He was supposed to be the face of BBC sport. If he, if you were at the Olympics, he's in the commentary box. If it's on the football, he'll either be in the commentary box or he'll be presenting it. He also did the Grand National. You know, if it's the Grand National, yeah. he'll be he'll be hosting. I mean, I that. remember, I, I remember this sort of veneration of the Coleman from my childhood, but obviously, I don't remember him doing the football. He'd been moved on. He from the football by he finished doing football for the BBC in I think nineteen eighty one. But he'd been usurped by a young upstart and called John Motson. Yeah, Motson took over the FA Cup final in 19 he did his first FA Cup final in 1977 then Coleman did 78 and then it was Motson every year. I got the feeling that that was as much Coleman's decision as any as anybody else. He was he was well, very highly thought of and very yeah. highly respected because he was very good at his job. I mean Christ almighty you do better on one camera for God's sake. Yeah. Which is why he got to be so pissy and irritable Which, with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the great outtake clips: David Coleman shouting at a cameraman. As a TV program goes, I thought that this one was extremely satisfying and satisfactory. Certainly for me. What you've got is, as we say, a judging panel, five judges, six commentators, um, and three clips. Yeah, well, the, the, this is because there were originally 12 people. And they yeah. did it in two groups of six, doing 15 minutes each in the first half. So what what you're listening to is like a kind of cut down yeah. of the period that they, that they did during the match. These six are all going to be awarded points on four categories. Voice, identification, interpretation and presentation for an overall score each of 200. Then we just get straight into it. The commentators in question are unknown to the judges, and indeed us, sitting as they are in silhouette in a number of rakish 1960s-style poses. We know absolutely nothing about them. David briefly alludes to the jobs that some of them are doing. But, I, I mean, I certainly didn't have a clue. Oh, did you not? Okay. One of them I recognised by their yeah. voice. We'll get to him when we uh, cross that bridge. The only thing I knew was the identity of the winner because the person who uploaded the clip had helpfully included oh, right. it in okay. the title, which rather puts a dampener on the ultimate reveal. But as a TV program, 
it was very satisfying because you've got all the things that I like. Repetition, <laughs> lists, a slightly unruly scoreboard, yep. if we're honest. Everyone was, I think, voting electronically, which was a big mistake because obviously they didn't have the technology to deal with it. And any inkling that this could be or was meant to be a secret ballot was somewhat exploded by the fact that David Coleman just totted up every score as it came through. Like he was a milkman doing his mental arithmetic on the back of a fag packet, which sometimes was worse than what the scoreboard had come up with, and sometimes a lot better. Commentator A came through the West Country auditions. He commentates on the clip where Wales open the scoring and then England... Uh, are awarded a penalty for handling on the line, which is then missed by Francis Lee. That's his clip. Puts it back to Rodrigues. Puts it back to Rodrigues, but uh, that looks like Bell come and bought more. Astle, Astle, now England. Chance for a quick breakaway. He's got, yes, he's got Newton on the free on the right. No, it's not. It's uh, Colin Bell. Colin Bell, who uh, is going to let that one go back for a corner, yes. So that was uh, Graham Thomas. Rod Thomas of Swindon putting that one away for a corner to England. For a corner to England, who's going to take it? Bobby Charles is going to take it. The roar of the English crowd expectant to get this equaliser back after that shot goal by Wales. Practically a whole Welsh team, but up go the heads, and this is goal! No, it's handball, and the ball's gone into the net. It's a penalty. Definitely a penalty on that one. It looked to me as if Rod Thomas or Peter Rodriguez handled that one. Handle that as it was in its, on its way into the net. So a penalty has been given, although the ball, Astle later put the ball back into that as a boo. The crowd are booing. I don't know exactly what for because uh, sort of Hobson's choice for the referee then. My notes on this were that he sounded a bit like a, a mixture of Tony Blackburn mm. and David Coleman. Uh, and he also he misidentified several... Yes. Players. Yeah. But he does okay in the voting. He gets 114 mm. out of 200. Uh, gets very high score for voice, 37 out of 50. Not so good for ID because... No, there was one There was, there was one Welsh player that he, um, that he identified incorrectly like three times in a row. As Alf Ramsey said, he's got, he, he liked the voice, but the ID was poor and interpretation was fair and he thought he talked yeah. too much. This... Commentator A, who would finish in yep. fifth place, turned out to be none other than Ed Stewart. 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 Did you know? Did when you listened to that, did you get? I didn't. I was pretty you, certain it was I'm him. Too, be, too young. I was pretty certain it was him because I knew I was going to be able to identify three of their voices. Yeah, and the other three, he was one of the other three. And as soon as he started speaking, I was like, "That's." That's stupid. Yeah. That that that. I can smell. Yeah. I can smell the onions. I can smell the Swedes. It's a stupid <sighs> brewing. It's Ed Stupot Stupid. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what you thought of his performance. But, uh, I thought I, it was. I, I found the fact that he. I, yeah, I found the fact that he kept getting the names wrong profoundly annoying. You know, as a commentator, yeah. that yeah. is surely your first responsibility is to get the names of the fucking players right. I mean, if you do it once and it's a slip-up, then all right, fair enough. But if it's um, three or four, five or six times or whatever, then it's no, you can't 
just keep doing that. You need to you need to be able to do that. And, it, and it's it, you know I've done matches. I've done commentary. What? And uh, <laughs> and and it's really difficult. Oh yeah, I can. Did see you not that. know that? Uh, what that you commentated? No, I had no idea. Yeah, me 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 and Colin. Oh. Moses, smell the, smell the roses. Yeah, well, no, because we had to do it kind of seriously because it was for the um, it was for the community TV station in uh, Hemel Hempstead. They 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 would do St. they would do St. Albans matches on Saturday afternoon. For the for the first time in my life, I wish that I'd been born maybe six years before I was, and in Hertfordshire. Yeah, is all I can um, say. And it's. Really difficult, you know. Well, I'm sure it it's, is. It's, it's having to get it right first time every time. Oh God! I, I hope some of these comments having still exist. learning all the players. It's fucking oh God! It's 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 a nightmare. Yeah, I'm well, probably not on most of them. I only did about two or three games. I think it's so much more difficult than it looks. And all of this was without a producer shouting in your ear because we, we didn't well, have anything. We didn't have anything that sophisticated. You know, with a with a producer shouting stuff in your ear while you're doing it, that's I can't imagine how difficult that must be. And like I say, oh, you've got to get it right first time every time. It's one of the circles of hell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but like? the point is that it's difficult. I I thought the standard across the board was pretty high, actually. Good ball there, Costa Cooper. Lot of room to spare now. A lot of players, a lot of English players in the penalty area. Decides to put it to Bell. Charlton again, a shot, Fuck. Well, that's the second time the, the Welsh woodwork has been hit. Ball. There was Lee there trying to work his way through. Here's this shot again, on his right foot. Good effort, my word. England really pressing hard here in Wales, bringing back everybody apart from Ron Davis here inside right. Commentator B. Yeah. He came last. Yeah, I thought overall. I thought these two were by a distance the worst. He got 110 out of 200. He was from Belfast originally, he came through the Midland auditions. He didn't have a noticeable Irish accent, mm. but his his voice was very interesting. <laughs> it was a bit raspy. Very excitable, and he reflexively identified the England goalkeeper as Gordon Banks. Yes, but but it was not Gordon Banks. No, it was Gordon West. Everton's Gordon West, who you know yeah. the following year would be a first division championship winning goalkeeper, which is more than Gordon Banks ever managed it in the first division. This was this was the 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 person who came last in the overall. Yeah. Judging at when his face is uh, was revealed, mm. I think that he he looked quite philosophical about yeah. it. Ed Stupot Stewart looked apologetic. Yeah, that I, I wish I hadn't you know wasted all of your time being Ed Stupot Stewart. But then again, he still did better than poor old Tony Adamson. Yeah. For that was commentator B. Tony Adamson went on to have uh, a career in local. Radio commentary and so yeah, forth. I mean Tony Adamson was a was I think a fairly familiar name when I was a kid. He was he he would do 
match reports on uh, well, on, of course, on, on 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 the for the BBC for the radio. Yeah, and back in the day, it, you've got a lot of matches going on. You need a voice yeah. for every ground, so you know the more the merrier, really. Yeah, but I mean, it says here, it says here that he was particularly renowned for his Wimbledon commentaries. So. I don't. I mean, I can't remember if I he was presumed, <laughs> ever heard. No, he was presumably part of the BBC radios. Ah, I mean, you'd you'd think that you'd remember a, a, somebody with a raspy voice like that commentating on tennis. Yes. I mean, it is worth pointing out that all of the remaining contenders ended up with careers within the media, within foot, within the media or sports media or broadcasting or football media. Well, I think. It, Ultimately, they all did, with the exception of Ed Stupot Stewart, who who just carried on being a being DJ. Ed Stupot Stewart. Yeah. Commentator C came through the North of England auditions, although he was originally from Scotland. I thought Commentator C was pretty good. There was a lot of insight. He got to commentate on the clip where Francis Lee bundled in England's second goal. Yeah. Commentator B having commentated on The Equaliser by Bobby Charlton, uh, there was a lot of insight mm. to the to the point that Tony Book wonder, wonders aloud whether or not this is a, somebody who has played football. Briggs taking a good one here. Rodrigue could be in trouble. Would have been much better stepping inside the box and having a kick retaken and take a chance like that. Cooper, Rodrigue. Rodrigue again now. There's a long ball up to Davis, who's offside, fractionally offside there. Ron Davis, not seen much of him in the second half. Was very dangerous in the first one. Wales had this pressure on England. It's Bobby Moore coming more into the game also in the second half. Out to Cooper. Back to Moore. Got Newton there. Will he use him? Yes. There was Newton coming into a great position here. On the edge of the box. Plays it in to Lee, but Sprint comes out and dives at Lee's feet. Well, Wales is certainly allowing England to carry the ball up to the edge of the box, which I would have thought was a bad policy on a night like this, where a shot from the edge of the box can easily beat the goalkeeper on the wet turf. I was somewhat surprised that Tony Book didn't recognise him. Bearing in mind that they were both professional footballers for top first division teams at the time. I'm somewhat surprised that I didn't know. Didn't you? Because, he, no, <laughs> not at all. And, and bugger me sideways, it was the Saints. I mean, the thing is, Ian St. John. I was sitting there right the way through the Ian St. John one doing Jimmy Greaves impersonations, but you know. Well, that that was obviously, you couldn't have Jimmy Greaves as his co commentator because he'd just spend the entire time laughing. Yeah. That's a well known side effect of, of yeah. Jimmy Greaves yeah. being near Ian St. John. But I thought as a commentator, he was pretty good. He did lapse into a bit of analyst at one point, yeah. which is, of course, what he later used to do I mean I, I've I've heard Ian St John commentate or co-commentate on matches with Brian Moore many many yeah, times yeah he was a co-commentator he was also I mean he was a, a bit of a jack of all trades in the end because he was a pundit he was a co-commentator uh, and he was an anchor as well you know he, he was he, he, yeah, he was actually he was very good 
generally he, speaking, he, at, at everything that he did. Yeah, he anchored the 1986 World Cup final when they flew Brian Moore out to Mexico City. He's, so, yeah, I mean, he, he was all right. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he got the highest score up to that point. He got 140 out of 200. He yeah. scored particularly highly for ID and interpretation. Yeah. Well, because th- you, what you had to bear in mind is, because this is an England versus Wales match, he knows all the players. <laughs> yeah, I thought that his enthusiasm was a little bit in check for some of the English players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that you notice quite a lot, actually, when you when you listen to commentators who aren't like, you know, the pros. A lot of non-league football clubs nowadays yeah. have their own YouTube accounts and uh, they, they'll, they'll have the goals from their matches or highlights from their matches. And yeah. a lot of them will have a commentator. And a lot of these commentators... Blessed be. They don't even bother with the names of the other team. Oh, no, they're not. In, they're, they're absolutely yeah. partisan. Don't, yeah, 100%. they don't, don't yeah. even bother with their names. And you notice that there's some that do it and some are a little bit slower with the, with the surnames. And again, you know, it's, a, it's all about familiarity. So Ian, John, Ian St. John, probably knew the lion's share of players on the pitch. They weren't, it has to be said, they weren't all first division players, certainly not in the Wales team. Although it was good, I have to say, it was good to see Peter Rodrigues, um, who of course, had he been born 10 years later, would surely have been Peter Rodriguez. And I think there are people who pronounce it that. Um, Oh yeah. Who was the captain of the Southampton team that won the 1976 FA Cup. Right at the bum end of his career, he was like 35 or something. I mean, obviously, because it's 1976, he looks 55. Interesting to see him in the Wales team. Gary Sprake in goal, feigning an injury for the penalty. (laughs) For the penalty. To buy a bit of extra time. When they showed the replay, it was very clear that there was absolutely nobody anywhere near him and absolutely nothing wrong with him. And he just went down like oh, I had to have the trainer on and everything. I was a bit, I was a little bit surprised that none of the commentators picked up on that. Both of the commentators thought it was a genuine injury, and then they showed the replay, and it was like there's no one near him. In fact, he's even pacing well, around afterwards. Gee. People were less cynical back then because maybe that that kind of thing was less widespread, or at least. It was perceived to be less. I don't widespread. know. I don't was think it was, it, was was it in a Don Revie Leeds team by this by <laughs> by May nineteen sixty nine? Well, possibly. Yeah, uh, um, possibly. I, I would. I would say that that um, they reckon, don't they? That there was a game between Arsenal and Leeds, or maybe it was Everton and Leeds, or somebody in about nineteen sixty eight, which is the game that. Right, okay, football's not going to be the same anymore then. Because there was so much <laughs> gamesmanship and fighting and just... You nice. Know. I like a bit of that. A bit of subterfuge, a bit of shenanigans. Yeah, and uh, that, yeah, that's how it was going to be from now on. Powell. They're determined to get this ball up front to these forwards of theirs and this is Rodriguez overlapping with a beautiful shift in the far post and Ron Davis has scored! Ron Davis... Ron Davis with a beautiful header, a beautiful header and a glorious chip from Rodriguez right to the far post. He climbed above two England players, here's the replay, look at that cross to the far post and Ron Davis climbing above Jackie Charlton and beautifully tucked into the corner. What a glorious header. 
He scored two just like that on Saturday against Scotland. There's the scoreline after 18 minutes, England nil, Will Wales won. And the scorer, Ron Davis, with a glorious header. Commentator D, as, as we say, was from Scotland, came through the Midland auditions um, because Larry Canning used to play for Aston Villa and is now a company director in Birmingham. He was my least favourite of all the commentators, actually. It was sort of lugubrious, drawling delivery, which occasionally sounded like a ventriloquist drinking a glass of water. <laughs> and he was, it's quite soporific. There was a bit where he was having a dis- debate with himself about whether or not it was a throw-in or a corner, where I just thought, so someone make the fucking mind up what it is before, you know, people are going to start jumping out of the windows here. Yeah. It was not a particularly impressive performance. Uh, the, the the judges thought it was okay, gave him 121 out of 200. And at the end, when he was revealed, you know, instead of looking philosophical like Tony Adamson or apologetic like Ed Stewpot Stewart, Larry Canning looked genuinely pissed off. Mm. Like they they you've dropped you've dropped a bollock here, lads, because we all know that I'm the best. I might be reading a lot into the the body language of the commentators, but that's what I saw. Well, it's it's interesting that you should see it that way. <laughs> Charlton, once again on the attack for England. To Bell. Ball open on the right, but he chooses to go through and he was taken out of the game. By Moore, doing a good job for Wales, Graham Moore. Beautifully up by uh, Ron Davis. Not quite the direction, but... A nice graceful jump and a powerful nod back. But it's England on the attack. Lee. Charlton. Charlton, he's got a chance. A great goal by Charlton. A marvellous goal. Beautiful bit of interplay between uh, Lee and Charlton. What a goal. Well, if nothing else, we've had two marvellous goals. And listen to that crowd. Here's a rerun. Lee, Charlton, taking the defence right. Marvellous goal. Great goal by Bardew Charlton. He'll like that one. Commentator E yeah. came through the Wales audition as the sole remaining Welsh commentator. He has the same clip that commentator B did, so that includes uh, Bobby Charlton hitting the bar and Bobby Charlton scoring the equalising goal in typical Bobby Charlton fashion. Mm-hmm. I thought, and this isn't just because he won, I thought that this was the best commentator. Um, I thought he was. He gave a lot more space. He, there's a lot more gaps in between what he said, and he was he was very much in sync. His modulations were were more in sync with the way that the crowd was reacting. Yeah, he wasn't. There was no. He wasn't. You know, rubbing the pussy cats back backwards. He was going with the flow, letting the game talk for itself. And uh, even dealt with the fact that England were laying siege to the Wales goal with great equanimity, although it must have been paining him enormously. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did all right. He's an interesting one, Idwell Robling, because... Um, Idwell Robling. Because he uh, he did go to the 1970 World Cup. He certainly um, did. He commentated on some first-round games, none of which were broadcast live in the no, UK. He did, yeah, he did two games. Both involving Belgium, 
he did their game against Mexico and he did their game against oh, crikey. The, oh the Soviet Union and then then they bundled him back back home well no he carried on working for BBC Wales so he would do the matches that were the kind of regional opt-out serving so, mean, for for example his first se- uh, first season after the 1970 World Cup he did four matches for match of the day that season and three of those were Cardiff matches well yeah, yeah but he yeah. went on yeah. he ended up working really for BBC Wales his best known commentary actually came on the opening day of the 1981-82 season yes so what was it? F- five yeah, one. Swansea Swan- City beat yeah, Leeds. Swansea beating Leeds five one, and that match was actually pushed up to be the featured match yeah. on Match of the Day. So his voice, a voice that you because it was so funny. Yeah, but well, that it was a big result. You know, I mean, Leeds had been in the European uh, well, Cup yeah, and obviously, six years you know. before they'd been the champions seven years before. Le- the the possibility that they might go down was a big deal. Uh, and I think they did at the end of that season. I think it was eighty one, eighty two. So, yeah, but you know, it's a bit early to call it after the first round. Well, of having but, seen that episode yeah. of Match of the Day, I can tell you that it was not too early at all. Leeds were an absolute shambles, and um, yeah. uh, and uh, and he quit not too long after that. About three or four years afterwards, he was also very interested in rugby and did a programme called Scrum 5 for BBC Wales, which he did as a commentator and then went back afterwards as a producer. And he carried on working as a producer until not long before he died, in 2011. I think he was only like a few weeks or a couple of months before he died, he was still working. And he represented Britain at the... 1952 Olympics. Yes, played for the, uh, presumably... As, as as a football player. So there you go. There's your Idwell Robling life story. He did very well, scored 140, scored uh, very heavily on presentation, and his, his score was equal with that of Ian St John, eventually because Sir Alf Ramsey had awarded 27 points to Idwell Robling, mm. and only 26 to Ian St John, he was declared the winner therefore yet another avenue for scotland to get to the 1970 world cup was closed off right more on the overlap again by plenty of space by these fullbacks newton with time as lee not quite control that we expect from lee good acceleration and good control but uh, not on that occasion Durban. Back again to his fullback. Here's to Moore. Chippen at Oli Burton. Davis. Great control, but falls there to pick up the stray ones. Bell. Here comes that great run. And there's Bell with a chance. Oh, he failed to control it. Chip there. Astle. It's in. That's it. Francisley. From Bobby Charlton to Bell, and we see it again. Sprake is out of his goal, he slipped, the chip is the answer, and there's Astor up, blocked off the line, Francis Lee, and that's it. And Astor sensibly going into the net to keep in the game, and England now leading by two goals to one with 29 minutes of this 
Commentator F, this is when the scales fell from my eyes. Because, the as as you would expect, Commentator F's got the same clip as Commentator C, in which England score the winning goal. I thought, this bloke sounds familiar. (laughs) I think, finally, we've we've managed to find ourselves a commentator who went on to be... Famous, or at least famous enough for me to know who it was. So this is when I finally, I finally looked it up, and boy howdy, did I fall off my chair when I discovered that not only did I recognise the voice because it was a recognisable voice, but it was none other than friend of two hundred percent. Yeah, Anglia TV's Jerry Harrison. Excuse me. That that just to, for a little bit of context for non-long time <laughs> viewers, I was once tipsy and met Jerry Harrison, and I was yes. quite excited by this. And I said to him, "Excuse me, are you Anglia TV's Jerry Harrison?" And this was about fifteen years after he left them. I think one thing you've not mentioned there is that this was at the World Cup Stadium in Yokohama, Japan. It was either in Yokohama or it was in Tokyo. One of the it was the so, other side of the world. <laughs> so, so yeah, two two Englishmen oh, meeting. You, Anglia TV Jerry Harris, but yeah, he was working for Trans World Sport, who oh, um, yes. which is still going. And for some reason, right? Here's a weird thing well. to bring us right up to the present. For some reason, I I've got the uh, the Channel Four uh, app. On my phone, um, is it called all four or? F- I think four so. Yeah, all four. Yeah, foreskin. Foreskin. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and um, it sends me a notification every time oh, there's okay. a new episode of Trans World Sport on, and I've got no idea why or how this started. <laughs> why? Uh, why? Uh, how the, often? The, the, how often are there episodes of? Trans oh, World weekly. Sport? I think weekly. Oh, and are they still are they still narrated by Sue Carpenter? Um, I don't know. I've never watched one. I have no interest in. Do they still have the top ten tennis and golf rankings every week? I don't know. I I mean I feel as though I should watch it now. I feel as though I, I, I should. Let me let me have a look on my phone now. And we'll see if I can um, you know if there's. See, a... I used to watch Transworld Sport because obviously back in the day, especially if you didn't have satellite or cable television the sport starved youngster of the 1990s transworld sport might just save your life for another week obviously now we're all so oversaturated with sport that i can't even be bothered to watch the olympics but back in the day transworld sport was a big deal i'm not getting anything on the app i don't know whether it's doing it because of i don't know why I don't know why it happens. Why do you, Long may it last. Why does one of my apps... I think it might be Google now. I'm thinking about it. Can I get up, like, historical notifications on my phone? Is that a thing? <laughs> or am I just going to have to... We're we just going to have to restart this podcast the next time I get one, which will be, like, an hour before the next time it's on whatever fucking you, channel it's on. But every... You are asking the wrong person. At least no once a week. At least once a week, I get a notification oh. saying, "Transworld, the, 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 there is a new episode of Transworld Sport." I'm all over it, and I'm and I'm like, 
I don't I don't click on it or anything, and I'm just like, why are you te- why are you even telling me that? I, I was kind of wish that my phone did it, uh, uh, but given the fact that we don't know how to do it, I don't know. There's only one thing we're going to have to swap phones. I don't know. God, <laughs> right. Wipe your hard drive first. <laughs> never, never, <Or> don't. never. <laughs> my, that was my whole plan. Oh Jesus. I'm not even interested in Transworld Sport. But there you go. That, there you go. That was it. Was a very special edition of um, Sports Night. I thought it was very entertaining. You enjoyed you you I, enjoyed it, didn't you? you I did. You, I did. I I thought it was a bit dry. I was hoping there'd be an assault course. Well, especially when there's a tie at the end. You thought, well, this is good. This has just got interesting. Like the Krypton Factor. I have a arm wrestle for it. Yeah, Krypton Factor indoor league. That's yeah, sort any, of, anything, anything like, like anything that. like that. Yeah, it was it was a bit dry, but I mean, it was nineteen sixty nine. So what was I expecting? It was not an experiment that the BBC repeated. You'll be unsurprised to hear. I am a little bit surprised by it though, because it. I mean, obviously, doing it on TV is very uh, high profile, but they unearthed six good commentators. Yeah, there. but then when they needed one, three years later, they didn't call on one at all. Because you've got to bear in mind yeah. that this was about expanding their coverage. It wasn't about that. This was nothing to do with the replace the the replacing of Kenneth Wollstoneholm. Wollstoneholm's replacement, of course, was John Motson, who kind of fell into it. Yeah. He'd been already doing stuff for BBC Radio, but he was very young. I think he was only about twenty six when he started. John Motson. Yeah, and I think it was his second game, maybe third or fourth. Very early on. Yeah, it is. That was the Hereford Newcastle match. That is occasionally erroneously described as his first match, but it it, it wasn't. Yeah, well, it was essentially his first match because that was the one that broke him in. That was the, the one wider. Yeah, that was the one that broke him, but it wasn't his first match. Radford again. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Radford, the scorer, Ronnie Radford, and the crowd. The crowd are invading the pitch. Before we wind up on on Sports Night, there's a couple of Sports Night and Sports Night related things that I I feel that we should touch on. The first is the theme tune written by Tony Hatch, who also wrote theme tunes for Crossroads, Emmerdale Farm, Neighbours and The Champions, amongst others. One of the finest sports theme tunes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it... the BBC, I mean, obviously unimpeachable record of, of choosing sports theme tunes. But even by their standards, this one is just outrageous. It's up there. It's got you hear it and you just think sport. It's sport. It's night. It's sports. It's night. got a very distinct feel to me. And yeah. the feel is Wimbledon dog track. Yeah. Early 1980s. We used to go with the cubs and the scouts and what have you sort of <laughs> a different a to, different time yeah, ladies sort of and gentlemen racing. all the stock all the stock car <laughs> oh, Kayla's, got, oh, Kayla's got 500 quid yeah we used to go we, we went a couple of times we went so we went there to see i don't know why we went all the way to fucking wimbledon so there were there were, there were dog tracks considerably closer to where we lived than wimbledon i mean christ almighty we lived in we lived in Enfield at the time. There was one. At, there was one at Walthamstow. Well, very famously, yes. But it, the thing is that it's it's that's what it is. It's that smell of old tobacco and 
fried onions. It's people ripping shit. up bets and chucking them on the floor. It's everything being like deep kind of mahogany stained with tobacco smoke. It's a very Ugh. it's it's a very Proustian feel for me. And it's it it's 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 redolent for something that isn't ever coming back. It's it's flashing neon lights world boxing championships. Yeah, because I mean, and and I and I get why it's like that because Sports Night did feature the sports that were on late at night. You know, they well, they should. did have boxing. In fact, they yeah. had a reasonable bit of live boxing, didn't they? I think. Well, of course, it was presented for ten years by Harry Carpenter. Yeah, Harry Carpenter, exactly. Boxing always featured in the opening titles, but they used to have greyhound racing on it as well. They used to sh- ground, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they floodlit football, yeah, and so it was. You know, it's it's unsurprising that it should elicit that reaction in me because, in many respects, that's what it was. Yeah, just re- remembering your childhood visits to the dog track with the yeah with the scouts <laughs> or with the scouts. I, I don't know. It sounds dangerously close to child abuse to me. I found a website the other day. Oh, hello. <laughs> I found a website the other day which yeah. details sexual abusers who have been convicted who were uh, scout leaders. Okay. And you can just type in a postcode and it brings up like a Google map with all these pins, oh, all, all, these pins all over it. Sweet, merciful Jesus. What a wonderful world. 255 pins, I think it said it out on it. Yeah, all of them in Wimbledon dog track. Well, there was one in St Albans, and I ended up Googling him. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, he was a Roman. But I think he was something to do with guides rather than scouts, and it wasn't the scout scout troop that I went to. Neither of my kids go near any of them. I mean, I've, <laughs> you want to see the state of that fucking map? Then again, I imagine it's a little bit more stringent now. Also, you never know. You send your kids off to the scouts, might win some money at the dog track. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That you is know. true. You never know. I wanted to point out that we decided to start a campaign. We have. Bring back Grandstand, you cowards. Bring back Bring back Grandstand, you cowards. Brackets also bring back Sports Night. Yeah. Obviously. You could do the whole of an episode of Sports Night from a non-league football club bar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You could do the match. I mean, it's not difficult. Game of darts, game of pool, jobs are good. In many ways, you know, Grandstand still exists. If, If, you know, for example, you've got a rugby game. So it's football focused, then a game of rugby, then final yeah. score. Well, that's grandstand. Yeah. All you're all you're missing is Hazel Irving sat in a studio with a couple of blokes on typewriters for some reason behind it. Yeah. That's that's all we're missing. Formalise grandstand. Bring back the grandstand theme music, and remember, it doesn't matter what the sport yeah, just, is. If yeah. it's on grandstand, people will. Yeah. Watch just it. put on. Just just. Like, it's like I said to you, 10 past 12 till 1 o'clock, football focus. Yep. 1 o'clock till 4.30, just sport. Don't matter what. Any Doesn't sport. Doesn't matter. There's loads of sport. Yeah. Fourth, yeah. T- I mean, no shortage. Yeah. 4.30, final score. Final score. 
I don't. Where's Where's the difficulty? I don't like there? final scores. I don't like final scores starting. Well, no, at you see that that's just, it's deeply it's deeply unsettling, isn't yeah. it? The whole it's like, well, I, I don't want to watch other people watching a football match. I would rather spend that time watching a hockey yeah, match or, or, from the National League yeah, or, or something. wrestling. Or wrestling, yeah. yeah. You know, the other, badminton the other side, or ping pong. Yeah, anything. Doesn't matter what. Just put sport on. I will be yeah. at least 50 times as likely to watch just some random chunk of sport if it's given to yeah. me as part of Grandstand or Sports Night rather than just, yeah. oh, look, one thirty. We've got yeah. equestrian. You know, we've got live badminton trials. Well, if the whole program is live badminton trials, I'm not going to switch on. But if it's grandstand, I'll have switched it on for football yeah. focus, and I'll still be going. I'll just plough through whatever you show. Yeah, well, it's a polite demonstration of uh, of what's going on at the moment, which is as we're recording this, the Olympics have just started. No one ever watches any of the sports that are in the Olympics for four yeah, years. I'm not, I'm not watching until the sports. it's in the Olympics. But people all of a sudden become completely obsessed by handball or badminton or weightlifting or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not watching the specific sports. I'm watching the Olympics. Exactly. Yes. So grandstand. Except I'm fucking bring not it back. because they've taken three quarters of it and chucked it on pay TV like a pack of paedophiles genuine and bitter complaints there from two people who've seen better things and are now just waiting for their time on earth to end this is probably going to be our last one of these in its normal (laughs) yeah yeah i mean for a while because you've got a grand plan well which is murder suicide pact <laughs> well, apart from the suicide oh. pack, but you want to bring football podcasts back to your ostensibly football website? Yeah, I mean, I I've just been I I, I got to thinking that I'm not happy with the fact that this football website has a podcast which is nothing to do with football. And well, it is this week. We, well, kinda. yeah, and and I think. We've given this a good go. It will come back. Well, I think that the the, the chances are that we'll probably keep it rumbling. Uh, it will be our subscriber. Yeah, it will be. It will continue. It will continue being our subscriber podcast during the off season uh, for football. We'll be able to put out some of these, or you know, whichever ones are particularly ribald or interesting or entertaining or whatever. Yeah, no. It's, then again, yeah. I mean, it's not expensive. It's not expensive to become a patron. Become a patron if you've had a pint of beer. You've had a pint. Yeah, if you've had a pint of beer in the last, you know, month, then you know you could easily become a patron yeah. supporter. It's five quid <laughs> right, a month. Given, we stop being nice about this. We're just gonna. Yeah. We're just gonna bully you. <laughs> be a patron. Yeah, be a patron supporter, you cowards. <laughs> But that's yeah. And that's, also, bring back so, grandstand and bring back grandstand. So yeah, th- this will probably end up there, and then the football podcast will be back. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I don't really follow. We'll anymore, figure it out. Ian ensures me that this is not going to be a problem. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I think it will benefit for. 
<laughs> it actually, actually, it could do. It could be the the, the future way forward of football podcasting is to have at least fifty percent of the people not give a single shit. We we know enough to bluff it. Well, uh, yeah, here's hoping. see. The thing is that everybody takes football really seriously these days. So there's all these podcasts about fucking tactics and bullshit like that, and I I don't care about any of that. No. I like it when the ball's in the air. There's a it's a metaphysical yeah, exercise. I like it. it? I, I, I like the kind of rush of energy you got when somebody pumps the ball really hard down the pitch. Yeah, that it's it's a moment when everything is completely transitory. Mm. There is no there is no winning and losing when the ball is in the air. Yeah. There's just waiting for the ball to well, come down. Well, yeah, waiting for the ball to not be in the air anymore. <laughs> and, and then kick yeah. it back Because it, it will. And then something's going to happen. And it might not necessarily be the thing that you expect to happen. So there you go. That's a little preview of <laughs> what the football <laughs> no, podcast is, is going to be like. That's, this, is, this has been the XG9, <laughs> our new tactics podcast. The only difference being that we don't know <laughs> anything about tactics. No. We're just going to, you know, different interpretations, new interpretations on the fly. Four hours long, twice a week. It's always four hours, isn't please, it? All yeah, seven. please subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, if you want to listen to something that isn't that, yeah. then that, 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 it will that, be that, Sounds appealing now, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds appealing. There you go. You thought, you thought that this was bad. You wait until we start doing the other <laughs> one. Till we, till we start doing a football podcast, but we can't even remember what football even is. Anyway, 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 anyway. Have you got any creamy centres before? I watched quite a few videos on how to replace the heating element on a tumble dryer. <laughs> For those who wish to contribute to our Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the heating element's gone, so uh, I've got I've got oh, I've got Jesus. I've got to replace it, and I'm weighing up at the moment. I found the replacement part I need, and it's only about twenty quid or something. Do I trust myself to replace this when I've never replaced anything like this before? Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Well, I and I've been further emboldened by the fact that I took the back of the tumble dryer yesterday to have a poke around, and that's a screwdriver job. That you know, that's not just like a thing that you lift and pull out. That's like I think I think it was eight or ten screws, and there were different parts to it that all have to fit into place as well. Uh, anyway, wow. so I took that off and had a root around inside it, and then put it back on again. Wow. Screwed it all back up. Switched it back on. It was still working the same as it was before. It's it's no better. You know, the heating element is still broken, but it was still turning, which is yeah, so... But you are now a real man. I, I, I am you effectively a fully qualified tumble dry repair <laughs> <laughs> Well, stay tuned for how this one turns out. Yeah. Listeners. I'm all done now. Yeah, me too. All, all sports nighted out. Yeah, yes, yes. That'll do us then. We'll be back the same time next week. Only it will be it will be football, probably. At least for five at least for the first five minutes before we wander off subject. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.
one are we doing first? Um, sports night. Or sports night with Coleman. Yeah. Was the yeah, programme's well. actual title. <laughs> with Coleman's mustard. <laughs> <laughs> seconds I took to say that was the amount of time to, to took me to decide can I hold this in and reserve it for the podcast at some point <laughs> and I realised that I couldn't well you know um, Coleman <laughs>